Welcome to the 360 Recruiting Podcast, a podcast for OU recruiting fans by Sooners360.com. Each week we catch you up on the latest in OU recruiting news and provide opinions and evaluations on all things OU football recruiting. I'm Chris Mason, lead recruiting analyst for Sooners360.com. I'm joined this week by my regular co-host, Caleb Cummings, Sooners360.com talent evaluator and opinion creator. This is episode 68, titled New Signee Fashion Show, and we are recording this on Sunday morning, the 18th. As always, we will begin with the latest and Sooner recruiting news. Now, it's a little bit of a dead time right now. Uh, It's a dead period uh, for recruiting. The uneventful National Signing Day was two weeks ago, and... Uh, and the football team is just in summer, sorry, is in winter workouts and some information is dribbling in about that to various sites. But in terms of like hardcore football news, we're scrambling a little bit. So we're going to hit a couple of topics and this will probably be a shorter show this week. So Caleb, I said the portal was dead and, and as I've, I've often referred to the portal as being like a Hollywood uh, monster villain like Freddy or Jason. And just when you think it's dead, it it pops back up and and hits you with a machete. So I thought the portal was dead, and then a player hit the portal who has some interesting and obvious connections to OU. And for those that don't know yet, uh, Keon Sab from New Jersey, who was a top 100 four-star player in the 2022 class, uh, has decided to leave Michigan. He... Uh, he will be eligible this fall, um, probably will enroll somewhere uh, in the May-June time frame after post-spring. But he's in the portal, so it's, it's all legit. So Keon is a, was a safety. He's from, as I said, he's from New Jersey, very highly ranked. I remember him tracking him because he had some early interest in OU that never really panned out. And he verbaled to Clemson. Uh, he decommitted after Brent Venables left. And he eventually signed with Michigan. Uh, at Michigan, he redshirted his first year. Last year, though, their national championship team, second half of the season, he was basically a de facto co-starter on the number one defense in the country. Like I said, he plays safety. He's a big safety. He's 6'1", 208, according to the Michigan, uh, Michigan website. And so there's a lot of OU connections there. And then things blew up a little bit on the on the on the social media world because right after he hit the portal, and it's maybe it's a coincidence, but I don't buy two coincidences. OU offered his younger brothers, uh, twenty twenty-six uh athlete wide receiver, kind of a slot guy, uh a Mary Saab. That's A-M-A-R-I. So I think I'm saying that right. Amari. Um, and then 2027 athlete, uh, about 6'1", 180, according to his profile, uh, Xavier Saab. So, yeah, there's, that, there's zero chance that that's a coincidence. Like, <laughs> 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 you know, like, it's like, hey, you know, pardon my, pardon my language. It's like, hey, I slept with my wife nine months ago, and then suddenly we had a kid. I don't know. You know, there seems to be this, you know, odd coincidence here. But uh, nine months after we, you know, relations, she's bringing a baby. I understand. It's, I mean, 
Uh, yeah. And a uh, high-profile player enters the portal. Uh, Oklahoma immediately offers the entire family. Right after that, it's like, okay, they uh, not a coin. So Caleb, he's a safety. Again, I thought he was great coming out of high school. He obviously played well. If he got on the field with that with that veteran team as a redshirt freshman, yeah. he was able to play as much as he did. Caleb, talk me off the position. This is a this is a take regardless of what OU has at safety. Yeah, and that's that is a really interesting conversation. I think every big Oklahoma fan that really follows it has probably had gone down that same way in their mind. Uh, when you look at them, you know, when, when Michigan would go to you know three defensive, you know, three safeties and get multiple defensive backs, so like a good nickel or a dime, give Georgia some some interesting sub packages. Second was like a they tossed in. You know, I think it's one of those you looked at his snap count in the Alabama game in the semifinal. He didn't play that many snaps, right? Because Alabama was in a lot of multiple tight end. They're running the ball, uh, you know, a lot of milk. So they extra linebacker on the field, right? Now they get against Washington in the national title game, and he I think he had the most snaps he had at any moment in the year. I think he had played almost every defensive snap because it was, you know, Washington is in three, four wide receiver sets. So he is on the field every snap. I think the concern that every Oklahoma fan would have, right, I think it's one of the immediate ones you ask is, I think when you look at the secondary, you know, okay, Billy Bowen's a starter. Peyton Bowen and Robert Spears Jennings are likely those next two guys. If you bring a Sab in, are you immediately worried, oh, crap, does Robert Spears Jennings potentially look at May? Well, hey, I'm going to go play somewhere else. If I'm not going to play that many snaps, am I going to go play somewhere else, right? I don't think that would be the case. You know, it's something Kyle, we've all kind of talked about. There's that the cheetah role by and large is it's a, it's it's an additional safety, right? It's a guy that you want. Uh, it, that's where it fits better. Desan McCall in that cheetah role, he's great against. I wouldn't even call him playing cheetah personally. I think when he's in that spot, it's a more true Sam linebacker. You know, and when he's moving forward or he's moving laterally, he is one of Oklahoma's best defensive players. On the, on, you know, he just is. Like when you look at the amount of snaps he played, the impact he had in those snaps, he's, you know, when he's put in that spot, he's great. Uh, you know, I, I think if, 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 if Oklahoma can manage the personalities and manage the snap counts as it relates to that, you know, I think you could make an argument that doing similar to what Michigan did, where when you really look at their snap counts, like it was shocking. Uh, we kind of went back and forth, you know, pointed this out a lot. There, most games, there was not a Michigan defender that played more than 30 snaps. They rotated guys that much. Typically in the front seven, it was guys are going to play 35 snaps, and we're going to play two and a half effectively guys every game. You know, if you're Oklahoma and you can do the same thing on the back end, and you could say, okay, well, Billy Bowen and Peyton Bowen, you two are going to rotate at that spot, right? Let's call it like strong safety. You two are going to rotate there. And then Robert Spears Jennings and Keon Sab, you two are going to rotate at free safety. And everybody's going to get, you know, 35 snaps a game. I mean, that would be probably a home run 
right? And then you go to some of your cheetah stuff that don't know where Harrington's at. And you can say, okay, well, you know, one of those, one of those, uh, those three guys, whether it's Peyton, RSJ or SAP, we're going to kick you down into, you know, the nickel or the cheetah role. I mean, you're adding talent, right? You'd be adding talent and an impact player. You know, it's uh, the question just becomes, I'm probably less concerned because some of the things that we've heard about uh, Oklahoma may be handling the new age of college football as it relates to, hey, if you're a fifth-year guy, maybe you move off scholarship and your primary NIL is because you're making more. So, you know, everything's covered. But, we'll, you know, so I think Oklahoma figures the scholarship stuff out. For me, it's really just, would you upset the apple cart with Robert Spears Jennings and, uh, and and Peyton Bowen? If you do, maybe you're concerned a little bit. If if the answer is no, and you would not upset them at all, I, I mean, I think you it's a home run. It's an absolute home run because you're adding uh, a day one contributor that's going to make the, de- the defensive back seven better. Yeah, I have to wonder if just part of the culture and mentality of Michigan's defense, whether if you're Brent, you're kind of viewing, I mean, just ignoring, I mean, putting his physical gifts aside and his experience, whether, you know, you just look at him bringing a little bit of that Michigan defense and mentality. If you could import a little bit of that, if that also is not just attractive as well. I think it is. I think, you know, uh, and this is like an underlying, I, to me, like story as it relates to the 2024 season. You know, as we all try to project, you know, what does this team look like in this team and how do these schedules, you know, the things, the nuanced conversations that nobody talks about is like everybody looks at, okay, what returning starters do you have and how good were you last year? Right. And I think that's kind of only part of it. Because, you know, with Brent, like you said, you're also talking about he's in the process of, I think you could probably argue, truly completing the, the overhaul, right? I would think 2024 is the real where you, okay, we're out with the old, we're out with the Lincoln Riley, you know, no attention to detail, just shoot from the hip. We're out with that and we're in with our, you know, fully integrated culture. And Sam brings that, right? He brings like the highest of standards. You know, anybody that knows him, Jim Harbaugh, there's maybe not a human that's ever walked the planet. I mean, it's Jim Harbaugh. Love football to the extent that like he loves football. It is a, so for Michigan's a football culture, super high standards, you know, uh, you know, and you would be bringing more of that in, more of that into the program. I think it's big. Right. So, uh, and then you know, the other piece there is like just the continued talent upgrade across the board uh, as it relates to guys like Jacoby Johnson, Macari Vickers. I, so that's an interesting one too, right? Like, does Oklahoma look at Vickers as a as a potential safety and sliding in, you know, on the back end to give you more coverage ability? If you do, you know, I, I think there's just uh, eh, you know some roster things. I think you'd have to put away from a personality perspective, but. I think one thing we learned last year from watching the transition from year one to year two with guys like Reggie Grimes is just because you were a returning starter that played all those you know snaps does not mean you're entitled to just be that guy the next year. 
you know, you can be, you know, upgraded, right? They can go out and get somebody from the portal that's going to, you know, supplant you and put you further down on the depth chart. You know, it's a dog eat dog world and, and the coaches will do it. And yeah, the other thing is we are starting to hear some buzz. Some of the our competitor websites are hearing some posted some recent uh, updates, 247 and, and on three that the, the young safety duo of Mike Boganowski and Reggie, Reggie Powers are having a look impressive in, in off-season workouts. And that's just off-season workout stuff. So it's the rubber hits the road later. But you do have two uber-talented freshmen you brought in. I haven't heard anything on Jaden Hardy yet. Uh, doesn't really mean it. Sometimes it doesn't mean anything. Sometimes when you, don't, when you don't hear stuff about players, it doesn't mean really anything um, negative at all. But you do have Powers and Boganowski that you brought in early to to also provide you depth and safety. So um, usually if somebody had said a safety is available, I would have said, oh, you just need a safety. Keon Sab though, he checks, he, checks, he checks so many of those boxes that it makes it an interesting, uh, I think it's probably an interesting debate inside the sort of the Switzer Center offices, the football offices on this, because he, he just checks so many boxes especially if you're going to do some three, three, five stuff where yeah. you, you move Desan to Sam backer and you have three backers, three D line, three backers, and, and you're playing three safeties in addition to sort of a Sam super cheater, big cheater role. Um, that means that you've, you, you've, if you add him and all of a sudden you've got four interchangeable bodies and then you can start adding, some of the other guys uh, behind I, them, but all of a sudden that gives you, you know, a lot of depth at safety. I say this, I think in the world that college football is living in right now, if you ask for a definitive and say, Caleb, just quit like talking in circles and say, you know, give me a definitive. I, I would say all things given, you absolutely have to get sad if you can. And re- primary reason being, right, the, the playoff has shifted to where it's now a 12-team playoff. So you've added, what, two additional games if you're going to play for a national title. Oklahoma's now moving to the SEC. The schedule's a little bit it's, – it's going to be a little bit deeper. I think so. I think the reality of that also is, you know, as deep as, as Oklahoma fans, you somewhat feel the secondary is. And we just ran through, you know, Bowman, Bowen, RSJ, Vickers, and these guys. You know, you're – I mean, look at last year, right? I mean, Hamilton Paris is ACL. Bowen has a high ankle sprain, right? And then Anderson gets tossed out for ejection. You're sitting there like, okay, well, suddenly we're not as deep as we thought. And it could be the same thing. You know, it could be in, in 2022, right? You get Billy Bowman gets a fibrous, you know? So, you know, you, you are also looking at, if you're Oklahoma, it's realistic that one kid rolls an ankle, you know, and the other kid gets a fibrous and you're, you know, you're, you're looking at, you know, Bowman's gone and RSJ is gone for two, three, four, two, three, four weeks in the middle of the season when you've got, you know, you've got South Carolina, you've got Ole Miss, and you've got Alabama lined up and say, okay, would be great to have Sad in this moment, right? Where oh, he's going to have to play more snaps than we thought. Our, our group of only playing 35 snaps a game and rotating guys. Is probably maybe out the window due to a due to an injury here. He's going to have to play fifty, and we'll get somebody else in for the other ten to fifteen. So I think football football being where it's at with the schedule. I mean, at some point, uh, money grab is it means. 
they will fix themselves or not. But you've got to get to a point where, you know, you, you've got Brent's approach of using NIL to get the roster from 85 to 105. I think this is going to be an instance where you, you, you find a way to do that because uh, that's, look, over the course of the season, it can be the difference between, you know, winning a close game against Ole Miss or losing it. Because, because you know, like I said, you got a kid that's that's at the ankle. Yeah, ten and two versus nine and three could be college football playoff or absolutely. Yeah, it's a difference. You know, it's maybe the difference between like you're in the playoff or they let you know a one loss or a two loss Big Twelve champ in over you just because. Well, they have to, right? Right. It's uh, well, the, or the yeah. second the second place team in the Big Twelve. Second um, place, second place, yeah. Yeah, run a runner up, runner up, or something like that. Um, yeah, yeah. So, speaking of safety stuff, um, there was uh, Caleb. There was a lot of action this week. We saw lots of forecasts and crystal balls for 2025 Arkansas safety Marcus Wimbley. And Marcus is from uh, I think Boxite, Arkansas. I think it's how you say that. Uh, he's six one, one ninety. Really, you know, g- good physical shape. Good film, um, Caleb. What do you? Th- the 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 issue is is that OU doesn't seem to have that many safety slots in this class based upon taking three to four safeties last class. So Jonah Williams, at least on paper for now, is a safety. Uh, they've been looking at Amari and Robinson also from Arkansas. He's about you know six foot six one one eighty. Where do you think Marcus would fit in? Uh, what's what sort of your scouting report? Where do you see Wimberly fitting in into the OU safety group, larger in, in this class, and just maybe from a larger perspective? Candidly, I'm not sure. Uh, it, you know, because part of that is you see Boganowski on the hoof, and I think we'll probably get to that. Right, some of the pictures have come out. He, he's, and I thought that he probably would, just given he's he's a more of a lean style. He'll have muscle mass fairly easily. Um, you know, Boganowski was more of your, again, safety. Right? He's not going to be a guy that's going to live in a single. He's going to be, you know, and moving forward, right? I think the Reggie Powers probably can play, play some of the single high for you. Already, I think that's where he lives. Uh, you know, Wimberly, I mean, when I watch his tape, you said he's a he's a big kid. He's what six two, maybe close to two hundred pounds. Runs well. He's got really good tape at receiver. I mean, he's got more suddenness than I would have expected for a, a kid that size. You see him take some quick screens in the receiver game. You know, some a quick hitch, make a guy miss, or run through an arm tackle, and then he outruns every other kid on the field, right, for uh, a long touchdown. And so you, I think you see all of all of the, the physical ability to be able to play uh, safety. But at that safety role, I, I'm the same, right? I would definitely see him more of, you know, uh, when you get into Oklahoma, it's probably, what, 50-50, uh, two high, one high. You know, he can probably play uh, in that two high look. You know, where he's going to make his living, though, is coming down in the box and, and moving forward. So I, one of the things I immediately think is, like, is he long-term a linebacker? 
right? At 6'2", 200 pounds, does he end up really being 6'2", 225, close to 230 in your modern day, you know, hybrid run and hit linebacker? Uh, you know, because that's, that's where I immediately would jump to. Uh, and if you talk about, you've got Jonah Williams, uh, you've got Mattia, uh, is it Kaloga, you know, out, out west at 6'4", 190 pounds. Uh, so you're starting to get into the realm where there's, you've got multiple guys that seem to really fit the same mold in your brain. You would look to bring them in. I, I would say the one thing where I probably would make me a little bit less concerned when you really look at what Brent does from like a run fit perspective on his defense. Historically, so many of his safeties and outside linebackers at uh, Clemson, when you, you'd really dive into it, they looked almost the same on the hoof. You know, you have a Tanner Muse at safety that was 6'2", 225, and you would have them with the Sam linebacker or a Will linebacker that was 6'1", 225, 230. And what he'll do from, you know, the run fit perspective, you know, is you're Brent talked about, you know, we have ways of you can make him right where, you know, if, if the backer fits something up, you know, in the safeties role, the safeties are going to, you know, play over the top and slide into the other guy's gap. And he's really aggressive with safeties fitting up the run game. And so, you know, I, I think that's where he would fit. You know, in, in, in those years where Clemson was great on defense, I never would have thought you'd watch like, a guy like Tanner who's playing safety, you know, picking off Dustin uh, Fields, you know, and, and, and he did it. And so, you know, Brent knows what he's doing. And I do start to, you know, really wonder as well. I think it's just a sign of they're going to continue to sign and sign and sign kids. You know, and maybe some of that goes back again to just college football, the playoff expanding, being in the SEC. You could never take a year off. You know, hey, yeah, we signed big safety last year and, and another kid that can play. We're going to go out and we're going to sign two or three this year as well. Uh, and, and we're just going to, you know, we'll let the chips fall where they may and we'll figure all the scholarship stuff out somewhere else down the line. And I guess one could argue, you know, candidly that NIL allows you to figure stuff out on the fly. You know, maybe they get, you're able to go to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm whiffing on the kid's name from McAllister that, you know, was such a good high school player that tore his, uh, tore his ACL. Uh, uh, McCarty, McCarty, yeah. you know, maybe you go to, you're able to go to a McCarty and say, Hey, look, your ACL is taking longer than we thought you're, you know, it's, going to be a little bit longer what we'd like to do is we want to move you to you know a, a, a bit larger nil package where effectively everything in your life is still the same you know but we'll take your scholarship and give it to another kid essentially right in year three that's coming in it's going to be a year one guy you know it's uh feels you know maybe on the surface it sounds a little ugh, but uh again it's, it's maybe the world of college football that we're that we're going to live in and uh you know if if that's what separates the haves from the have-nots and, and separates you, you know, gives you the depth that you need to compete. Then, you know, it makes sense to continually sign, you know, big back end defenders that can play, uh, you know, play the run, tack one space. And I think Wimberley's that. Yeah. It's, if you didn't have like Jonah Williams, like, okay, done, he's a take. Matai Tagaway is, also, you know, I watch his film. I think he's a top 100 kid. 
And I think Amarian Robinson is that single high guy you're talking about, right? He fits that mold. Um, it, it makes things interesting with Wimberley. We have had the same sort of discussions about Rush End, talking about Shield Knight, and oh, you wanted to add Granville and Nixon. So there, there's some more interesting storylines in and, this and class. Is, is it a Rogbo? Is it Smith the Rogbo? Uh, yeah, and I mean, Smith, and Smith the Rogbo, right? Smith the Rogbo. Yeah, I'm with you there. Like that's to me, that's the conversation of like uh, in the nicest way possible. If you take Wimberley in February of 2024 for the 25 class, are you then taking yourself out of the running for Matai to Logan or, or someone else, you know, that is going to, you know, you potentially got higher on the board. That's going to be there. You know, uh, that, that's, that's maybe the big question for me. And, and, and Wimberley's heavily recruited Michigan's floating around a lot of power five teams. We're not implying at all that he's, um, you know, that, that he is, he could not be a contributor. He could not be an all conference kind of player. It's just Jonah Williams is a top 10 player in the nation. And Matai Tagaway might be the perfect fit. Yeah. Top that, 50. That, exactly and, the, right. and the, and the perfect fit. I mean, when you watch his film his his junior film and, He's like a perfect fit for what OU and Brent want to do. So it's this is more of a this is more of a OU's got you know this is this is a this is a kind of problem you want to have right. Great kid you have for a position, but you may have two kids that just are elite looking ahead of him, right? So it's like okay, well, how do you, and, and and that's one of those things you got to juggle and question. So going from safety to the other interesting forecast of the week, and this is a little bit more speculative and and a little bit out there. So, so Caleb, we got a previously Parker Thune had put in a crystal ball for uh, Deron Coleman, the 2026 quarterback to OU, and Parker had some good rationale and reasoning behind it. And Parker will sometimes make some some longer term projections out there based on his feel and. We all do that, so, you know, no issue there. But what struck me with the new crystal ball that went in was it was from John Garcia, the Rivals Network writer for Florida. And he seems very wired in with Florida. And he was the one who made the Eddie Pierre-Louis prediction when everybody else was like, no, he's going to UCF. He's going to UCF. We don't know what's going on with Eddie Pierre. And John Garcia's like, no, he's going to OU. And then we find out. On you know when Eddie announces that he pretty much had he didn't say it but he pretty much hinted that he told John Garcia in September he was going to OU. So Garcia is wired in with the local kids. He knows the local scene. He he knows what's going on. And and Deron Coleman's from Orlando. He's watched him play. Knows his knows his quarterback coach. So when John Garcia puts it in, it's a little bit like. When Greg Biggins puts something in on the West Coast, my my ears, you know, my radar picks that up a little heavier. Because, you know, John Biggins, Greg Biggins was talking about how good Eugene Brooks was last year when nobody else was mentioning it. And Greg Biggins is like, I think he may be the best guy on the West Coast. And Brooks ends up in the rankings pretty close to that. So there's some there's some guys regionally that through following recruiting 20 years, you get kind of a feel like no matter what network they're on, that's someone to listen to. So 
The other interesting things, Caleb, is there's a SI interview, Sports Illustrated interview out there. Somehow they're, they're still running, even though apparently they fired all their staff. Don't quite understand that. Where Coleman is talking. <laughs> where Coleman's talking to OU's dream school, their quarterback, you, he grew up watching Kyler, Hertz, Baker. Um, you knew at some point that this would kind of bounce back to help OU, right? That, that it would be, that somehow the OU brand would get disconnected from Lincoln Riley in kids' minds, right? And obviously, the good season by Dylan Gabriel kind of just sort of ties that together and Caleb Williams is a Sooner at some point, too. and So that all ties together to young kids viewing OU's QB brand at, at an elite level. And he's already started talking to 2026 uh, running back verbal, Jonathan Hatton, who's from the San Antonio area. And he says, oh, yeah, I talk to him all the time. And he's, got his, he's just waiting to get his spring trip scheduled. Um, probably will come back for the spring game. And that's what he's talking about. So. Hey, there's a lot of running pieces here. I know you and I both watched Coleman for a sophomore replacing a uh, a senior. He replaced Trevor Jackson, the 2024 QB signee with Florida State, who was an Elite 11 finalist. And Duran just took the job from him. So it's sophomore film. It's very, very interesting. There's a very high ceiling for the kid. What do you think if Duran just, you know, puts all this effort into visiting OU, OU sees him in person, likes where he's going? What's what's your current scouting report on Caleb Bonham? And what's where do you think maybe this could go, where he could go? So it's an interesting one. I We had a conversation on the board about this. And, you know, there's... Good, uh, good conversation. Really yeah, good. yeah. It was a great thread with our with our posters on our board uh, to give them a shout out. You know, we have a good curated message board experience. There's no trolls and idiots. We just had a really good chat about five or ten guys all putting good posts in. Yeah, that was, is it? Uh, is it Octa? Is that who? Was that who? Is Octa Jones? Whoever that you know we uh, Ataku Jones and uh, yes, Saptan, Saptan, and, and yes, Kyle K. Sap Kyle K all putting good stuff in there and having a having a good, intelligent conversation about what's so you doing QB wise. Yeah. And so like I would say, but from a scouting perspective, like when I watch him, and I've always talked about like, you know, just from growing up, I guess, in the era that I did and uh when I started loving football, you could still get the VHS of the uh, NFL films and you know, so much of it quarterback it was you listen to Bill Walsh. You know, so Bill Walsh talking quarterback play and you know it's come away with like you know your top two most important factors and you're looking at it really aren't so much the things people fall in love with right it's your quarterback's ability to process information quickly and on the fly right so it's it's that between the years and then it's an accuracy being number two like you have to have those two things and those two things have to be at, at a high level for you to be able to play quarterback at a high level and then you know you start to get into like oh you know arm strength and velocity and athleticism and those things those things come down from that because we've all seen you know the uh the joe milton right like it's maybe the best example of you know someone you created in a lab six foot five 235 pounds runs you know four seven right so 
technically probably faster than Josh Allen, with a bigger arm than Josh Allen, and is not a good quarterback, right? Uh, it has moments here and there, uh, but it's some of those other things, they aren't there. And so you can't, you know, then build off of uh, that freakish ability. I think Coleman has got, when you watch his film, for me, right, like I do, I, I did see what I felt like is his ability to process information. You see him go through his reads, see what the coverage does. You know, he sees the apex player jump in the flat. You, you know, you see that slot curl in and fit in underneath the, the safety and boom, you know, he immediately fits the ball in accurately. And so I, I thought you, you absolutely see those things. Uh, he's accurate. He's got like a very quick release. You see a lot of like the quick game. It's just a, you know, almost like a flick of the wrist at times for him to get it out. And again, like how football's played today with so much being built around, you know, quick, quick stuff, uh, kind of extension of the run game. Like that's really important. It can be the difference between you getting the ball to a guy like Farouk or, you know, Burks or someone, you getting them the ball quick enough where now they've got it in space with space on a defender. They can make a guy miss and take that 60 yards or take that 10 yards and get you a first down versus that ball coming out half a tick too late. Defender closes, makes a tackle for a gain of one or two, right? We all know, you know, second and one versus, you know, second and 10, pretty big difference, right? So those little things, like he does well. He's not a huge guy. I think he's listed at 6'1". 160 pounds, and he might be heavier than 160. I wouldn't be overly concerned about the weight. Uh, doesn't because I'm just looking at his body type. He's again kind of one of those. He's kind of a. He's got some kind of high cut to him. I think he'll add like lean mass and kind of maybe be a little bit muscled up. I think he'll add that absolutely no problem. Right, that's going to come in time when you're talking about a kid that's a sophomore in high school at 160. You know, as a as a senior in high school. Probably 100, 190 pounds, you know, get to Oklahoma and he's we're talking about a 200 pound quarterback. So, you know, no, no problem there. He doesn't have like the biggest arm in the world. You know, that's, I think that's absolutely fair to say, right? Whether you see some of the scramble throws when he's throwing a bat across the field or doing some things. And when you compare him to some of the other elite guys that are considered elite in that class, right? You do see guys that are, that are bigger in terms of stature and size, you know, kids that are 6'3, 6'4. 190, 200, all the way up to 220, like with Will Griffin as a sophomore. That in some ways could just mean like they're more, they're more physically developed uh, at that early stage. I think it's there for them. The thing that for me is like the unknown, but it's probably, it's unknown from our perspectives. You can't talk to the kid, but it's, I mean, at the same time, it's maybe the most important piece of the puzzle and why, like when you're looking at quarterbacks is like, how are you wired between the ears? What type of competitor are you? Right? Like what, how are you built in that space? And when you talk about a kid going into his sophomore year, a four star, you know, elite 11 quarterback was the starter on his high school team. And he goes in and takes that job from that guy, right. As a sophomore in high school, and, you know, becomes the guy on that team. Like, that's the kind of stuff where you're like, you know, everybody was like, how did, you know, Baker Mayfield, right? How did everybody miss on Baker Mayfield? It's like, well, you weren't paying attention to that kind of stuff. 
you're just looking at Lake Travis and you're looking at six foot or six foot one and you're like, oh, well, you know, uh, you just overlook all the other things. And to me, that's like this massive, like kind of like a flag of endorsement when, you know, you see a kid go into a competitive situation like that as a sophomore in high school and win that job and go out and play great. I mean, that's just, uh, and that's like super, super rare. And so, you know, you, I, to me, that's like telling, it's, it's telling that, hey, this kid might be absolutely wired in the right way. He's got the physical tools to be a player. You know, he's athletic. He's probably not a guy that you're going to use big in the run game, you know, but he excels in terms of, you know, I think oftentimes what you want, right, is the ability to extend the play and find, you know, create time. And it's kind of Baker Mayfield in that regard, right? Baker, so many of his big plays in the passing game at Oklahoma were times that he extended with using his legs. It wasn't him tucking it and running for, you know, 20 or 40 yards. It was him creating time in the pocket for someone to get open and then delivering the ball down the field. And you see that from Coleman and Spades, you know, which it may be, again, it's, uh, it may just show a, maturity from a quarterback perspective, but he's not, oh, I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to do this. At my own. It's, it's, it's not how you play the quarterback position, you know, I'm going to extend and throw them all in the field. So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot, to like. there's a lot to like, and, and the things that you, you wish, you know, maybe, you know, it was be, maybe you wish he was six, four and, and you wish he was 200 pounds. You know, he can't he can't do anything about the six four. I think he'll he'll add he'll add muscle and he'll add weight. Yeah, and you have to wonder, Caleb, a little bit if his when he does start getting a little bigger. If I'm not saying his arm is going to become radically different, but maybe he picks up a little a little pace, a little strength. Um, no, I think he will. In his throwing motion, so yeah, I think he will. I mean, talk, he's just such a. I mean, sophomore. In high school, don't know if he's like right on age or if he's young or old for his class, but I would, I would expect him like from an arm velocity standpoint, just as his body continues to get strong and mature, as his legs get stronger, his core gets stronger and those things will happen. The velocity will happen. Like, and, and it's not to say he doesn't, he can make the throws, right? He, on timing and, and accuracy, he can do those things. You know, you just don't see a, uh, at, as a sophomore, when you compare him to, you know, the kid from Tennessee or kid from Florida and, and you know, another kid from California, uh, you, you don't you don't see, oh, my goodness, like here's, you know, the same velocity. But again, at the same time, I think you're also talking about those kids are all 6'4", 190, 215, 220. You know, those kids probably aren't going to grow any and they're not going to add much weight. You're looking at fairly finished products. I don't think that's the, that's not the case in my mind for Coleman physically. So I absolutely expect his arm to just continue to get stronger. It, it is interesting. I'm not going to get you off the whole Will Griffin thing, right? That, 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 that obsession has, oh, has sunk, it's just, it's has sunk interesting it in. One. Well, <laughs> his ability as a runner. Uh, it is. He's, yeah. he, he doesn't look like, he doesn't look like a sophomore, which you're like, who is that kid, man? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I think we you see it so often, right? Like I've seen uh, Steve Young talk a lot about it in the lead up to the Super Bowl, that the quarterbacks that are going to win at a high level and truly uh, kind of dominate football moving forward are those guys that can go get you yards with their feet. 
you know, because the way they've changed the the defensive rules, you can't launch into a defend to an offensive player, right? You can't launch yourself. And there's some, you know, the tackling rules. It's created more space on the field. So having quarterbacks that again can extend the play with their feet and then go get you, uh, you know, yards with their feet. I mean, it just man, those crucial situations, particularly now in today's analytic driven world, where you're going to go for it on fourth down. Having those quarterbacks that are a all right, relative to the run game, it definitely, I think, it makes it. But, you know, again, I, I think Paulman will be able to do that in time. He's just not going to be a, a, a 220. Yeah, I was, to, to echo your comments, I was really impressed about his play, sort of in the pocket, moving up, making plays from the pocket, extending plays in the pocket, just inside, and, and finding, you know, sometimes when you watch, Young quarterbacks, you know, when they drop back, I know where the ball's going every time, right? They, they, they're, you know, they're they're staring down their receivers, right? It's just that they're in they're in one snap, one read kind of offenses in high school, right? Young kids, so you can sometimes you know where the ball's going every time, right? Like in yes. their highlight reel, like snap back, he's throwing to the right, snap back, he's throwing to the left. With Coleman, they they did a great job. If anybody, um. If anybody want is has a quarterback kid out there that they want to get highly recruited, Coleman's uh, guys who put their huddle together, you should watch it. It's the archetype of how you should put a huddle video together because they group his highlights by different QB skills. So it's really it's really well done in terms of highlighting his best features, but highlighting different things so that you can see. It does a great job selling him, and that's what that package should do, right? It should sell you on him, and it does a really good job of that because it's like plays made on the run, plays made in the pocket, um, you know, hitting his third, you know, re, you know, going through his transitions because he does show really good touch, and sometimes, you know, when you're when you're scrambling or you're going to like your last, you know, your next read, you know, it's it's. Sometimes it's not about the arm; it's about the accuracy and the touch, right? And he oh, does absolutely, a, and he does yeah. a good job with that. There's, there's a. I'm not saying this is this, this kid is going to be this good. I'm not saying anything beyond that. When I watched his film, I got a, I got a flash of Caleb Williams' sophomore film, just a little bit, like, hmm, okay. Because for those that don't remember, Caleb Williams' sophomore film was. When you watched it, you you thought his offensive line hated him. Um, and it was hard to get a read on him, and he was just kind of making he was making something out of nothing. Um, and you're like, man, that's interesting, but he's not he's not real efficient in their offense. And um, and then his soft his junior film is completely different. It's like, wow. So um, it'll be I, the kid certainly is talking up OU and saying the right things. So we'll we'll keep an eye on this story. Um, I think OU probably will want him. Ideally, Caleb, I think you'd want to have him come work out in summer camps before you take a verbal. Do you, do you agree? Yeah, if they haven't seen him throw live and in person. And I'd be, you know, given like where Seth is at, right, having been at North Texas and then being an analyst for Obama, I'd be shocked. I don't know that Coleman showed up last summer. I guess Seth would have been there, obviously, on campus and worked the camps. I, he, I, I so don't recall have. the name. It was all so, yeah. Sperry and Hawkins, right? They were throwing everybody. Yeah, and so like to me, like that's like that's where you know you'd want to you'd want to see him live because yeah, you, you hit on it right. Like that's also one of those things. Like 
you know, it's easy sometimes to fall in love with the Joe Milton types on their highlight tape because it's just them throwing deep balls and throwing like, oh, look at that arm, look at that arm. And you don't see the little things in between, right? Uh, and you don't see the nuanced things. And, you know, I don't mean to say that guys that have that ability can't process information, but there's absolutely some reality to oftentimes like the level of physical ability never have to develop it so they don't and when they get to that stage like at the college level and they haven't got it it's like okay well that's like that's you know you're going to need it by that point right uh it, it's you know the ability to go through your reads and do do those things when you're a, a big strong kid that can just stand in the pocket and, and you know wait for that one guy to run by everybody and toss it down to him you know or if he doesn't get open you just tuck it and run like that works in high school like it doesn't work against you know uh Auburn or doesn't work against Alabama or LSU or in the football playoff against Ohio State, you know, so yeah, that's uh, you know, something you have to weigh in, but I would, I would think you'd want to see Coleman, you know, measure him. Are you 6'1"? Are you, what, are you 180? You 160? You know, what's that arm look like? Is it popping? Is that ball popping out of your hand right now? You're 6'1", 175 pounds, that's popping out of your hand right now. Well, yeah. Okay. I'm pretty sure when you're six one, two oh five, you know, uh, it's one of those things about Baker. Right? I think it's another good example of you watch Baker as a. There was some of that film floating around from his Elite Eleven uh, event in Arlington, the year before, you know, so the summer before his senior year, I guess, and uh, you know, just a little underdeveloped kid physically. You know, but throwing, trying to throw with a lot of velocity and really digging in. And then you look at him physically after he had spent four years with Schmitty and Norman. And he had, you know, he was able to torque his lower half. And again, it's, you know, throwing the balls so much from the feet up and not, it's not arm uh, as much, right? Like he, he, he absolutely developed a bunch of additional velocity, you know, as he just physically matured and got stronger. So I think you'd want to just kind of size. Uh, Williams up and be like, okay, we feel pretty good about that. Well, let's shift to our final topic of the day and the title of the the pod. So, Caleb, it's kind of been, it's kind of like, so uh, if signing day is when you get your Christmas presents and you kind of unwrap them a little bit, um, maybe seeing the OU signees getting their official uniform photos is, is your dad finally building getting around to building the the gift you got in December, um, like six weeks later. So uh, the signees are getting their official uniform photos, and we don't have a lot of data on them. We've been hearing Danny Okoye running a sub 4-6 four, four, at 2.45, and Reggie Powers, you know, running maybe sick being, you know, 200 pounds running a 4-4, four, four, things along those lines. So – we don't have a lot of data things to talk about, so we're gonna we're gonna hit the very, I don't know. We're gonna, we're gonna go off one data point here: is how good how good do these guys look in photos? So, Caleb, we'll start with the obvious ones, and obviously, Danny Okoye and David Mitchell look like a million bucks in sooner in their sooner uniforms. Danny looks amazing, like he. Uh... <laughs> in his uniform, he looks twitched up. If that makes any sense, right? That's possible. Like, That's impossible. Possible. But yeah, yes, a you still, see a still like, photo. A still photo. He looks like he's in motion. 
Yeah, you just, I mean, you're looking at him like physically on the hoof, right? And it's like he's got that high cut, like real, you know, high ball on top of his calf. And it's, you know, he just, he's, he looks a, like a twitchy guy on the hoof. You know, there's a, it, it's just, he looks that way. I, and the same thing with Davin. Like Davin is one of the most interesting guys I can ever recall. Because when you see him, like you, there's all those pictures of him, like, you know, running routes with his shirt off. And I look at him like, gosh, he has so much room to fill out. Like he's nowhere close, really. Like when you look at him like that, to what I think he's going to be physically once he's three years, or, you know, into a strength conditioning program and getting after it and eating and, and doing all that. And part of that also, he's so young, right? Probably 17 years old. And so it's like, gosh, he's not even close to where he's going to be physically. But then you see him put his uniform on and they're like, well, my God, you look like he's getting ready to go to the NFL. Like what is, you know, I think it goes back to what we <laughs> talked about, right? Like, it's just like, that's probably what a five-star looks like. You know, these type of guys that they walk in day one and you're like, well, it looks like you've been on campus for two years, but I haven't, you know, and then you look at them and say, like, okay, well, you're just that much further in front of so many others your age from a physical development standpoint, but you also have the same, if not more of a developmental runway, right? You're not the guy that's going to walk in and, hey. I'm trying to think of the defensive end that Alabama took years ago. Big five-star kid. They end up playing. Uh, he played, you know, when they were three, four. I'm trying to think of his name. But, you know, he was this muscled-up guy as a senior in high school. And you thought, oh, my God. You know, uh, and I think he's drafted on the Lions in the third or fourth round. And he played for the Lions. So I don't think he's in the league anymore. By and large, he was kind of the same guy through college, right? It's like you looked at him as a senior in high school. Here's a name. I don't know if anybody remembers this. Nigel Bradham, linebacker at Florida State. You saw him as a senior in high school, and it looked like I'm going to be a bodybuilder. And you see him leaving as a senior out of Florida State, and he's like maybe five pounds lighter, looks the exact same physically. You know, uh, didn't, you know, wasn't a, didn't have this massive, great, amazing college career, was a good player. Was not the All American five star, you know, next Lavar Arrington, uh, to still a name from the past, right? That everybody kind of, oh, this guy's gonna be that. Wasn't that, you know? It's because again, he was at eighteen. That's what you, that's what he was gonna be physically. You know, Davin. <laughs> you know, I don't know what he's gonna be physically when he's done. Uh, I'm real. I don't know. Does it have an official weight for him yet? Because I would love to know. Is he two hundred and forty? Is he 250? Because if he's 250, he's going to be a 270-pound tight end. You know, it's going to be, again, like as he just continues to add lean mass and gets more explosive and, and faster and stronger, he's going to probably be more athletic. You know, he's uh, Do you, he's you remember a, that Pitts, the Steelers guy? Was it Eric Green who was like out of nowhere? Okay. Who was like a, who was a 6'5", 270 tight end Yeah. Uh, for, for a period of time. Like he came from like a small school. Okay. And it was just like everyone's like he's a tackle, he's a tackle, and then you're like, nope, he's a six foot five, two hundred and seventy pound tight end who can catch the ball all over the field. Um, yeah. You just wonder if 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 Davin's like, you know, um, people like make him a tackle. Like, no, 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 he's a tight end, man. Just watch him catch the ball. Oh, absolutely. I think that I think it's absolutely true. I think for too long we all as Oklahoma fans fell in love with, you know. Uh, Wayne Johnson or Eric Mensick or even Jamal Brown was like, hey, if you're above a certain height and around a certain weight, or Bobby Bobby Evans, sort yeah, of, Bobby you know, Evans. sort like, of, if you fall in this, we're just gonna we're gonna force you to play offensive tackle, 
you know, I always kind of laughed, you know, but what I'm Armstead and Buckner, right? So the two defensive, they were tackles, defensive ends, I guess, at Oregon. You know, uh, both, I think, played with Niners. Now one plays for the Colts, the other, you know, plays for the 49ers. Kind of always laughed internally, you know. If, if either one of those kids would have chose Oklahoma, every Oklahoma fan would have been screaming, you've got to make an offensive tackle. You've got to make an offensive tackles. They're, well, both of them made Pro Bowls at defensive line in the NFL and played for Super Bowls. You know what I mean? So, like, right. just let it, let it be. You know, it's uh, when you get elite guys, it, when you haven't had them, it can confuse the eye, right? You're like, oh, I've seen 6'5", 260-pound guys, you know, employment tackle. It's like, no, 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 no. That's actually an NFL tight end, you know? Just just leave him alone. Leave him alone, right? Just let yeah. him play. So that's kind of the obvious ones. So I'm going to give you my two intriguing ones. One we've talked about a little bit on the board and everywhere else. The other one I don't think I quite mentioned because I just, over the weekend, I, I caught up a little bit on some Twitter stuff. I've been traveling a little bit. So the first one we talked about is Xavier Robinson looks lean and looks great. Yeah, I, was gonna st- I was shocked how lean he looked. Same, same. I, you know, I put this, I don't, you'll have to jog my memory if we talked about it here. I know I, we I have, definitely we put, have. We, we I put have. it on we the have. board. We, you know, when, when Josh uh, went to the Carl Alberts, I guess I don't know what they call it now, two days fall camp, their first opening practice is early August, and you saw him on the hoof, I'm thinking, oh no. Like he looks 250, 255, you know, some, he's got a bit of a, he's just, you know, softish in the midsection, a little bit soft here, a little bit soft there, but he's running through folks and running. He's fast. He's, you know, just this big guy. But then, you know, so I thought, okay, is what's he going to play? I remember putting that on the board. Like, I don't know if running backs is future. If he's going to be, uh, you know, Texas had some guys that played running back in high school back in the early 2000s that they then moved defensive tackle, you know, uh, and were good defensive tackles for him. Like, that end up Henry, Henry Melton being the, Henry Melton the being number one, right? And there was, was like a, a all, pro, all pro, all pro, well, had a really good career with the Bears. He did yes, defensive yes. tackle. And there was, I can't think of the guy's uh, first name, like again, uh, Houston or anyway, kid out of Colorado that, you know, was a defensive tackle, defensive end. Lamar, uh, was it Lamar Houston? Lamar Houston. Yeah. Yeah. Kid out of, yeah. But, you know, defensive uh, running back in high school, signs with Texas, plays defensive line uh, for Texas and in and, and the NFL, you know, same type of thing. I thought, is that what he's going to be? But then when you saw him kind of midseason to late season for Carl Albert, I was like, I think he's lost 25 pounds. Like just all the running and the conditioning, he's just shed that weight. So, like, I don't know what's that going to be. I, I joked on the, I joked in our, in our chat, and I was like, when I gave a comp, he reminded me of Lindell White, just from like weather gate looks in their lower half. Like you watch Lindell White's USC stuff and you, you know, again, you watch his lower half and how his legs move and you watch, uh, you know, X. I think it was similar and similar to Lindell White. It's like Lindell White can play anywhere from 220, 225 to 255 or 260. I think he joked that when they played Texas in that national title game, he had just gone home and, and ate all, you know, Christmas break. And showed back up and was, you know, 255 or 260 pounds playing against Texas. And I think that's just maybe what you have with X where, hey, when he was in high school, just doing his thing, maybe not, you know, getting after it in conditioning the way he should have been or you want. In fact, that's what he was going to be. Now, you give him a nutritionist, you give him Jerry Schmitty and that entire, Jerry Schmidt and that entire strength staff, 
like he's going to be something else. So I, that one was a really interesting one. Yeah, I mean, if you told me he was in that photo, he was two twenty five, two thirty. I'd be like, yeah, I can buy that without a, without and, a doubt. And you think about it, that is, I think he did show up and he went to the bowl game with him, right? Uh, I mean, he yeah, is. I mean, He's a long way out. Like he's still got all spring, he's got all summer. So what? And that's the thing that intrigues about all these guys that are really young is for as good as some of them look right now on the hoof. I mean, they're only beginning the process. Like what they're going to be when August rolls around is going to be quite different. And him, him among them, I, I'm really interested to see what he's going to look like and who he's going to be in August. It's a really positive sign, though, that. You know, we don't know when these photos were taken with some of the freshmen. I think they were probably taken fairly recently, which is the way that the publication's gone. That he showed up in Norman and like he's obviously hit it, right? He was he was committed to being in better shape, new you know, I'm just saying it's the commitment level that that always you know, it's like the same thing with Eugene Brooks, right? He lost bad weight. I associate the same thing. You know, it's just the commitment once the, these guys making strides by themselves, right? But you know that once they're in a much more structured environment that will help them even further, that it's like they'll take off, right? It's if you're able to do this by yourself and you have the commitment to do that, once you're in an environment with the with a lot more structure and assistance, you'll you'll only be better at it. So the one other guy that uh that'll let you let you choose some favorites is Fabeki Nuewu looks 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 great. I mean, he, he doesn't, he, I mean, he, if he's 320, it's a amazingly well, well proportioned, well designed 320. He looks fantastic. Oh, yeah. I, he's a, he's such an interesting guy, really looking back at, you know, his story and how COVID. You can see the, just, you can see the arms you were talking about, like how he has the arm length to be just, to be a terror inside, right, for defensive yes. tackles because he because oh, he's yeah. got the wing, he's got the reach to hit him. That's that's my thing with him. Like you look at him, it's like okay, he's got the six four, like I said, three twenty. He's got the girth and the strength to handle those big guys. But then, like you said, you know, we we all saw the tape of you know guys like where 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 Sweat at Texas gave uh, you know Everett such a hard time. Right, is when it was one versus one. His, he had such greater arm length than Troy Everett that, you know, Troy's like, you know, it's just difficult in those pass sets for guys of that length to deal with big interior defenders that have, uh, you know, those physical advantages. Fabeshi's like that. He's kind of that, you know, not a unicorn by any means, but he's that prototype where it's why you want your guards, you know, 6'4", 320, as opposed to 6'1". Right. Like we were talking about with Chris Murray. It's like, man, if you know Chris Murray, his attitude, his work ethic, his focus, that kid was six four, he's gonna be drafted. But he's not. He's like six foot and a half, six one, right? It's just he's limited there. You know, Fabeshi's like, he, you know what? You don't have to worry about that. Like he's got those physical traits and those attributes. You know, to see him coming in looking great, like that's I'm I like that. I really like that story, just given again how COVID just totally kind of derailed his recruitment and you know, in his future, and it looks like he's uh, you know, it shows the the how good it is to persevere and just keep grinding through that to you know to go from I think I'm going to get a I'm going to be a big time recruit to well, well actually I'm not because no coaches can scout me right so like I've got to walk on at North Texas because my high school coach calls in a favor to oh wait no I'm going to go play 
started offensive line at what I think everybody, when they put the list together, is O-line you, right? I'm going to go be that guy there. Like That's that's a great story. So like, to see him physically you know, be in great shape was, I think, for me, it was huge. Because offensive yeah, line, great. you know. It's a great draft. If, if he could go that way, it's a great draft story, right? I think so. You know, yeah. you know it's like one of those, the, you know, so where's this guy come from? Well, he was at North Texas and he walked from, you know, all, the media loves those walk on to walk on to fame kind of stories. Um, yeah. But he looks, he looks, I mean, again, on, you know, if you can transmit a one dimensional photo into something in your mind, <laughs> he looks, he looks like a, he looks like a, like a, since the NCAA games coming back on EA Sports, he looks like a guy you build at offensive guard, right? Like, you know, yes. You're creating an offensive guard recruit. And he he looks, I mean, he just physically looks like that guy. Like, yeah, that's what I want. That's what you so, want. So, so I, those, those are the ones that just flew out to me, Caleb. Are there, do you have a, do you have a name or two that you were like, man, that, that looks even better than I thought it was going to be? So the first one that jumped out to me was Deion Burks. And I know he's a transfer, but when I, you know, and I guess there's been those videos of him working out. So, you know, he is like a high cut, muscled up kid. But when he got like just he's in his uniform and you see how his quads build that thing out, tiny waist, it looked at him and thought, oh, my God, like that is, you know, we talk about like, hey, that quick short game and get the ball over the middle, let an athlete go make a play. Like that is a run after the catch terror, like waiting to happen. You know, just a little, not little, he's he's good size, but a muscled up dude that looks all kinds of strong. You get him one-on-one in space where, you know, a, a DB has really got to fit him up to bring him to the ground. That's small, difficult to do. Small nickel corner, like 5'9", 170. Yeah, yeah. ain't happening. Ain't happening. I mean, you know, even your 6'2", 200-pound cor- you know, corners, like if they're not fitting him up and getting a shoulder on him and they're thinking, hey, I'm going to arm tackle this guy, right? I'm going to just get my hand out there and I'll pull him down. Probably not, man. He's going to dislocate one of your fingers as he's running by you. You know, like you better, you, again, you've got to, and that's just with his speed and explosive explosiveness, you know, it, it, I think that's what helps make him, you know, I think so dangerous uh, for Oklahoma. He's, and I don't know why, uh, probably because of the, the receivers they have coming back, uh, the guys they have coming in like Kearney. Uh, he, you know, Burks tends in my mind to go forgotten a little bit. And when I saw him, I thought, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember now why when I watched his Purdue film, I thought, okay, he'll, he'll probably start, you know. So that, that was that was definitely one. And then the other one, I think everybody's kind of talked about this a little bit, right? But And it, he's not like all veiny or cut up or anything. But just seeing Jaden Jackson on the hoof, you know, it's like 6'2", 305 pounds, 310 pounds, flat-bellied essentially. Just big, thick mass, like you know, like as a true freshman that has not even completed winter workouts, he looks like a guy that you would trot out to play nose tackle for you know a a, a power five division one school. So, like, what he's going to be, I think you you've talked about this quite a bit, and I and you know maybe it's a really good like maybe it ends up being this way where people have talked about hey is 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 he going to be dusty? And is Smith, uh, you know, is uh, oh gosh, what's his name going to be? Tommy? It's, right? it's Stone. It's Stone. It's stone. Yeah. It's stone, it's stone dusty. Stone going to be? Yeah. Is yeah. is he going to is he going to be you know Tommy from a 
you know, playing your three tech and that explosive guy because uh, he just, he does not look, he looks there physically, which is super rare for defensive linemen. You know, you look like Nigel Smith. He looks great, right? But you also look at Nigel Smith and you go, oh, he can add 20 pounds of lean muscle to that frame. And he's going to look, well, you know, muscled up and way, he's going to look way better in one year. In two years, like you look at Jaden and you're like, ah, we could probably toss that guy out there right now. And I feel really good about him. You know what I mean? He, he just looks ready. It was a surprising for a defensive tackle. Yeah. The, I got this. The last guy for me was, um, was Boganowski. I'm just like, man, he seems like he's already put some weight on. He looks, he, again, again, can't tell much from a one dimension, you know, two dimension, you know, from a, from a flat photo, but he looks, he looks like a million. He looks like a million bucks too in that jersey. Just long, athletic. He's put on a little weight. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if those him and him and Powers can make any noise in spring at safety because uh, they they are certainly testing and looking the part. Yeah, that he does. You, you see, like yeah, again that that high cut just adds mass, you know, easily. I'll be interested to see. You know, one thing I've thought about. You know, was are putting together and uh, posted this on the board, right? There was the some stuff uh, Billy Connolly had put out for the S and P Plus of who returned the most production, offense and defense, and maybe it was Sacktown or someone had mentioned like, "Hey, you know, this is rough because you've got to take offensive line into account." I was like, "Absolutely, you know, that, that's not taken into account there because it's production, right? And you don't really get those stats uh, put into S and P, but." You know, the other thing that you really start to project out for me, and this just continues to stick in my mind, is, you know, the, the guys that were redshirt last year, the guys that were true freshmen last year. Because I just go back to the interview I remember seeing with Gentry where he thought, he said this, you know, hey, I knew I was, I was going to come in. I thought, I'm going to play as a true freshman. Like, I'm going to go out there and start. I'm long. I'm fast. You know, I can do – I can play this game physically, you know, is what he said. And he realized like, really quick, oh, I can play it physically, but I have no clue what's going on. Like when I go to meetings, I'm like, oh, shit. You know, when we're talking the calls and we're doing stuff, I'm okay trying to get this figured out. Well, then you flash forward to he's, he's you know, I think he's an early enrollee. So he's 15, 18 months on campus. And when he was healthy, he was hands down. Oklahoma's he, best he actually, was, last year. He wasn't an early enrollee, so it was it was actually oh, even, it was just okay. a year. It was just yeah, him, just a year. So you, yeah. you look at him like one year in, and like I said, when hit when that when that shoulder was not bothering him, he was Oklahoma's best corner. Like hands down, I thought by far their best corner when he was out there, right? And so I immediately go back. They're to my they're, mind. they're eleven. They're eleven and one with a full season long healthy Gentry Williams. Oh, absolutely! With, with, with today's game, you know, so pass heavy and everything, and he was well with the games so they lost, right? The Kansas game, especially, right? You have yeah. you have a better corner out there. It kind of changed game. after he went down, right? Because he was it playing as like, ah, oh, Gentry's out, and then same thing with you know, it, it just and then that that shoulder being you know not being right. I think Oklahoma State kind of targeted him a little bit. They put that big you know two hundred twenty five pound receiver on him. Said, okay, try to tackle him. Uh, you need a healthy shoulder. And he tried, and then he just he could didn't work. He had to sit out the rest of the game. Yeah, yeah. And so I mean, I, my immediate thought goes to like you know, there are going to be some guys that redshirted last year or played sparingly, played some, not you know, weren't starters that were like you know, we're 
our mind, because we're OU fans, right, immediately goes to, oh, here's these new true freshmen coming in. Look at these guys. Here's these, you know, transfers coming in. Let's look at these guys, you know. But, like, a name that always jumps out a little bit, like Jacoby Johnson, right? Like, if you told me it came out next year and Jacoby and, and Gentry were all American caliber corners that are future first round draft pick types that are locking folks down. Like, and I don't think that's hyperbole because, you know, in years past, you'd say, Oh, Hey, you know, insert X corner. He's going to be a first round draft pick. It's like, well, kids five ten, you know, and he's 180 pounds like that. A lot, a lot of corners get drafted like that. Jacoby's six, two and a half, 200 pounds, vertical and over 40 running four, four. You know, Gentry's six one, going to be 195 pounds, running maybe four three by the time he gets to the top. Like those are like the elite guys athletically. So there's going to, you know, what's what's Lewis Carter in year two? What's Sammy Amasigo yeah. in year two? Right, Peyton well, the, Bowen. Like, does it, you know, when Bowen's had this much time, like to really digest it, does you know, similar to Gentry, and this is not a shot at Billy Bowman because Billy Bowman's great. If you told me that Peyton Bowen was Oklahoma's best safety next year, I would say, okay. I get, like, after seeing Gentry, I would not be surprised in the least bit if he is that. Yeah, if you told me, if you told me Jacoby Johnson this spring, while well, some folks are banged up, runs away with the cornerback position and never gives yeah. it up, I, I wouldn't be shocked. Same. I mean, you know, we'll see what how things shake out, but just – we we finally I mean, I'll end on this note. We finally saw year over year defensive improvement, right? Right. It, it was it, there was some ugly there was some ugly games. TC you know quarter one quarter in the TCU game was bad. Um, you know they, they were a little stiff. You know once the injuries in the secondary started piling up, um, they got a little short with their D line rotations. Um, in the second half of the season, just I think they just they just. You know, they tightened up a little bit, they, you know. But overall, you, all the stats bear it out, right? The SP, whoever you look at, bear it out. We saw guys like, you know, Kip Lewis, and we saw McKenzie. We saw Stutz Bowman. You know, we saw all of these, you know, we saw DeJon Terry. You know, even Ethan Eason Downs, right, played a much better year last year than he did the year before. We, yeah. we I mean, saw – it's a really good point. Like Danny Stutzman could be the prime example of what the difference between year one to year two. Everybody looks at Danny now and they only think about 2023 and they forget how bad 2022 was. Like and go back and watch the Baylor tape of Baylor rushing for damn near 300 yards in Norman, you know, and, and just focus on Danny. You know, it's, it's or the K-State game, right? Or the K-State game. The- yeah, yeah. Like that Baylor game, it just sticks out from like, some of the roughest tape you'll see at linebacker. And then you see what he was the next year. And it was, you know, it was never, and that's the whole thing, right? It was, it's not a, from almost all these guys, it's not a lack of physical ability. It's just between the years, again, processing and comfortable, know what they're doing, know where their help is at. And, you know, that comes within time and with experience. And so I'm really excited to see, you know, Vickers, Jacoby Johnson, Peyton Bowen, Samuel Masigo, PJ Adebore, these guys that got a little bit of time last year because they were that good. Well, now that they're totally settled, they're inside of a comfort zone, uh, you know, and we're going to see who takes it, who takes it to the next, the next notch up. And I love the fact you didn't mention like two guys, it's like six or seven guys. It's like, okay. Oh, right. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's not it's just not like, oh, you know, it used to be, 
oh, it's 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 oboe, right? Or it's Gallimore, or you know, it's um, it used to be like one guy, right? Like, oh, it's oboe, you know. But now you're talking about you know maybe two or three guys at every level that were just waiting to see, fascinated to see. So, and the and the and the young kids, like I said, I'm not we're not making any you know promises here, but damn, they look good in their new unis. So. Um, we'll go, we'll go from, we'll end with that. Thanks everyone for listening and subscribing to the podcast. We'll be back next week with uh, another recruiting, uh, podcast update for y'all. I uh, appreciate everybody. And, uh, thanks for listening.